podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, thanks for listening to the show. Join your hosts, Bill Alpstead and Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with co-host Keeth Myers, here to talk Seahawks football. We've reached that point in the season where we're talking about regular season football. First game, the Rams visit Lumen Field on Sunday. We're here to get you ready, doing a game preview show. How you doing, Keith? I'm doing great. This The idea that the NFL regular season is back just has me pumped. Um, watched the game last night. Um, with the Lions, Lions upsetting the, yeah. uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. That was a great way to start the year uh, for the NFL. It's an outstanding game. So Yeah, it doesn't uh, bode well for the Seahawks in week two, given that the Lions will have, what, ten, nine, ten days of rest before true. that game since but we they also, them next. Mm, they also beat a Chiefs team without some of their best players. So that part's... Um, they're not quite the juggernaut that um, they were at the end of last year. So last year I went to the you know, very first game of the year uh, with the Cardinals and the Kansas city chiefs and mm-hmm. the chiefs just mangled them. I mean, yeah. in every possible way, just manhandled them. Uh, it was a blowout. Chiefs looked unstoppable, Super Bowl ready first game out. This game, man, I, I was left with a bunch of questions like, okay, where's Kansas City going to be this year? Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to the Lions. Now, the Lions are a great story. Um, and for the Seahawks' sake, I hope that's not like going to be a juggernaut. But um, they, look, they look good. Fun team to watch. It seems like everyone's in on the Lions, even teams from other fans uh, rooting for this team and, and Dan Campbell and company and yeah, Jared Goff looked good on the game-winning touchdown drive, all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm pretty impressed, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, the their offense didn't look, you know, as good as it did last year. Which, mm-hmm. you know, especially given that um, uh, Chris Jones didn't play for um, for Kansas City, um, and that's maybe a good sign. <laughs> Because last year Detroit's offense looked stellar, but we'll see. Um, it's it's early, it's early, <laughs> it's in, but it, whatever. We're talking football. This is the yeah. big deal here. It's like it that was a fun, um, a, a fun game, a great way for to start the NFL season. And um, now, okay, let's get ready for a Hawks game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. A couple things. Um, Jamal Adams restructured. Now, we've been talking about this for seven months. Um, all of a sudden, you know, right before the, the season starts, Seahawks are low on cap. They need some more adjustment. Jamal Adams finally comes to the table. Uh, there's a potential there for the Seahawks to correct maybe a, an outlandish contract for a player who's barely played for them. No, no diss to Jamal. It's just the way it is. But... Uh, instead they did restructure, but they just moved money around, gave them the bonus money, turned the, the, um, the base salary into bonus money, um, extended that over a couple of seasons. 
and it's now actually harder to get out of Jamal Adams' contract in, in uh, next year and the year after as opposed to easier, which is the downside of that. Now, granted, they were um, they accumulated about uh, $9 million in cap um, where, where they're at right now. They got about $9.1 million. They were uh, able to generate about $6.5 million in cap savings overall. Um, but you're not happy. No, I'm like, it, that's been a kind of an albatross contract that, that, um, has hampered this team the last couple of seasons because, um, it's just a huge cap number for a guy that hasn't played. And at some point the team has to cut its losses and move on, um, you know, get that cap room back and spread it out over other players who actually are on the field. And doing this, sure, it helps right now, uh, but it hurts them next year. And I just don't, like, there's got to be other ways to move some money around if you needed some cap space. Then, well, obviously, you know, uh, all the, the ideas and the rumors of Jamal coming to the table and saying, yeah, I haven't played at all. I am not, you know, I'm not realizing the value of my contract. I'll come in and, and cut you guys a deal that's that that was never going to happen yeah um and so here he is now they generated cap room this year that is correct but don't expect too many big moves or a big move at all this is just money to kind of get through the season uh when you're talking about moving players around on ir adding players off the practice squad maybe Mm -hmm. some low level additions you know in the year we could see potentially a um a, a trade before the trade deadline but don't count on it unless we're really in need of a, of a guy. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Um, they did add a, um, uh, they did add a safety from the Titans that, um, is, you know, got a, a contract that's, you know, not a league minimum deal. So there was that, but did they really need another safety? Um, I don't know. I missed that. Who was that, Keith? Do you know? Um, uh, Brady Breeze. Oh, okay. Um, so I thought he was, wasn't he on the practice squad or wasn't he on the roster in the 90 man situation at some point? I don't know. Between May and now. Um, I have honestly have no idea. I just know that, um, they, they added a veteran safety, um, and he it cost three point six million dollars to um is he uh, in the active roster? I believe he is. Okay. I missed that. Interesting. Who did they who did they uh they move to to make that happen? Um I'm looking. I'll be interested. Now they did take um and we knew this, um Derek Young and move him over to IR. But I think that move came after that, if it if it happened. Anyway, they also brought in uh, Ben Ben Brown, the the guard as well, mm-hmm. um, at the end there. Um, let's talk about the, this game, not so much the the game itself, I guess, but the players involved in it. Um, and we'll talk about the game after it's played when we come back next week and uh, do a recap show. Um, 
this is uh, looking pretty good for the Seahawks as far as the injuries are concerned. Um, there were some concerns in the last couple of weeks, especially after training camp, after the third preseason game, that we were going to be down quite a few different players and, and quite a few different rookies and, and rotational pieces and really kind of challenge, be challenged depth-wise. It looks a lot better now. Jamal Adams is ruled out of this game. Kenny McIntosh is, has not practiced for a few weeks and still has not practiced this week as well. Seems likely that he's out. Other than that, though, Derek Hall is available, now practicing, expected to play. That's great news. Mike Morris is available, practicing now, expected Full to practice. play. Not yep. like Derek Hall was limited, um, yep. but Mike Morris was a full go. Same with Daryl Taylor. Same with Daryl uh, Taylor. JSN. Um, yes, uh, which and, is a remarkable story. I'd like to talk about that for a second. Yeah. Cody Thompson, Jordan Brooks, um, Devin Willerspoon looks like he's at least fifty fifty to play this week, which is good. He's he's out there. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba Keith. This is great news for the Seahawks so when he was hurt he hurt that wrist in that preseason game had the screws put in or a screw to um, secure that thing came back it's kind of wrapped um, but what pr- was at practice within a week and now he's going to play for, for me this goes beyond the injury per se uh, and thankful that he's able to play but it goes to the mentality for me uh, here's a player that's, uh, you know, we all know uh, Rashad Penny. It was hurt, often hurt a lot. There was a, at one point where I think he broke a finger but then missed like seven, you know, six, seven games or something like that. Um, here's a guy that's, you know, got a broken wrist. that's wrapped up. He's not completely 100%, but mentally he's going out there and making sure that he doesn't get that stigma right away of a guy who's going to miss time because of injury. Uh, he had missed his entire um, senior season uh, or or junior season in in football and um he didn't want to have that follow him and so for me having him show up like this is is good news in now and into the future because uh he's gonna he's looked at as a player that the seahawks can depend on mm-hmm. so good news and a huge impact on the offense um you know when you've got the other guys um especially Derek Young and, you know, there was going to be Cody Thompson, but behind that we had Jake Bobo. He's a great story. Hasn't done anything yet in the NFL. Sounds like he, he will. I mean, everyone's just gushing about him even still. Um, but it's nice to have now the top four wide receivers healthy and ready to go in, in Bobo and, and, and Jigba. Um, I'm, I'm thinking like over the next, Four weeks, Jake Bobo kind of solidifies his spot there, and Derek Young has a hard time coming back and and um, even dressing up on Sundays. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll see because we, you know, you've got um, you've got instead of a big two, now you've got a big three, and then who else gets playing time? It's going to come down to special teams, who's making plays and who's doing things there, and um, yeah, I mean. You've got Bo's got a chance to come in, especially if he starts if he's making plays on offense. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to um, move him off that spot. Yeah, yeah. Anytime a player's wide open all the time, and apparently he is, even in, you know in practice and in games, um, that's going to be an outlet that Gino's going to get real comfortable with very fast. 
and we'll see what happens there. Now, even a fourth wide receiver in the best case scenario is probably limited to about 25 receptions for the entire year. But if all those receptions count, like 80% of them are for third down conversions, et cetera, some red zone stuff, that's where the value is for him. And he can come earn some, some more playing time next year, but um, that would be a tremendous addition uh, this year oh, yeah. for a fourth wide, re- wide receiver. All right. So we've, we've changed a lot over the, you know, over the year, um, lots of subtractions, lots of additions. Uh, we were a nine win team last year. We talked about the prediction show last, uh, last show, Keith, you were up a victory. I was up three. Uh, I had them 12 wins. You had them at 10. Um, feeling pretty good about the roster going into this season. I, I, it just seems like we're better just by virtue of, of all the additions, uh, to me in, in key spots and having Njigba healthy and, and, um, and now Charbonnet as a backup running back may be needed sooner rather than later. Um, how do you feel going into this game? This is the first game. There's going to be a few jitters, but Geno Smith is at the helm might be the X factor in this game. Um, is how well he plays and orchestrates this thing. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about this game. Um, I, there's a lot to be seen as far as what goes on the defensive line, um, and all of that, but this is a team that, um, has an offense that looks like it's ready to roll. Even with Ken Walker out, um, uh, Charbonnet's back and healthy and, and DJ Dallas looks bigger and, and quicker. Um, they're in they're in good shape as far as that on offense. I am a little concerned about the Damian Lewis injury. Hopefully he plays and is healthy. Um defensively though, I mean, yeah, they've got some key pieces back. Um, like Mike Morris up front, but he's a rookie fifth round pick, um, not a you know, a star, and that defensive line is still really shallow. Um so there's some concern there. But it's they've got to do enough defensively to slow down a team because I think Seattle's offense is going to go on a tear. Yeah, you're right about being worried about the front. I mean, last year Seattle ranked 30th against the run overall, and that last game against the 49ers in the wild card game, they ran over us 500 total yards on offense. That was the last mm-hmm. game the Seahawks had was a team putting up 500 yards on them. Um, I don't think that's going to happen the, this year. I think you know. As, as much as, you know, we don't maybe have the the huge heavyweight guys in the center of this defense um, to stop the run, I think the scheme and the guys that we do have are more run-oriented guys, defending the run-oriented guys, and I think that we're going to do a better job. I don't know where we're going to end up. I just don't think we're going to end up 30th. I think <laughs> even if we can get into a middling, you know, 15th to 20th range would be adequate um, given the... I think the the high flying offense that we've got um, to to score points against anybody. All right, what are the keys to this game, Keith? As far as us taking care of business, and maybe on the other side, the Los Angeles Rams, Cooper Cup's out. Um, but who else That's on that huge. offense can hurt you for the Rams? Well, um, I mean, Acres, uh, they're they're running back can hurt anybody um i know that he had a, uh, a great season two years ago and then last year kind of fell out of favor with the coaches there were some issues there but came back and and did some things but this guy's big he runs people over he's got some explosiveness and um can be really good and it's like if as a 
an offense without much going for it, um, having a big running back can help them. And that's going to be Seattle's weakness is stopping the run. So uh, that's the concern is that the Rams are able to put together some long drives, um, keep moving the chains, keep running the clock uh, behind that, that, um, that running attack. Yeah. No, you, I think you nailed it as far as Cam Akers is concerned. Um, bigger back, similar to kind of Zach Charbonnet, uh, as far as running style, running, um, ability, kind of a, a one cut and go, but a bigger guy. Um, Aaron Donald on the other side, um, when, when our offense is on the field is always going to be a factor. Last year he was limited, played in 11 games, had five sacks against Seattle though. In the last, you know, since he's been in the league, 15 sacks, 24 tackles for loss against the Seahawks. Um, that's, that's amazing. Um, how about Seattle's wide receivers versus the Rams secondary? You got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and, and Jigba Bobo against uh, Kello Witherspoon. Now this, I'm going to mention these names. You're not going to hear anybody except for that guy maybe that you've heard of. Jordan Fuller at Strong Safety, Russ Yeast, a guy by the name of Russ Yeast. Their right uh, starting cornerback is Darion Kendrick. Their nickel is Kobe Durant. Um, uh, I've seen it in a, in a few different articles that say that the Rams secondary is the worst in the NFL. Um, I like a Kella Witherspoon, um, really liked him coming out of the draft. Um, the rest of that safety is, or se- the rest of that secondary is poor. Um, it, it that's going to be a huge advantage for Seattle. Um, What's got to happen in order for Seattle to take advantage of that is they've got to protect Geno Smith Um, and they've got to give Geno Smith, you know, uh, time to let those receivers get downfield and, and do those things. And when anytime you've got Aaron Donald in in the middle of your defense, you're going to get pressure on the quarterback. So um, it's, I think the Seahawks can neutralize it. They can, you know, do a lot of play action. They can, you know, roll the pocket. They can do some things to, to kind of um, make life hard on uh, that Rams front and give the receivers more time. Because once you have, you know, they're going to, they're going to be open. And if you can deliver the ball to an open receiver, great things are going to happen. So I expect the Seahawks to put up a lot of points in this game. Yeah. You factor in our, our running game as well against their front seven beyond Aaron Donald. It's pretty, um talent poor they're a rebuilding Uh, team they're a rebuilding team they're just not quite ready to um completely cut guys and and completely start over because they still got some vets like aaron donald and matthew stafford but at some point those guys are gonna have to move on to clear up rooms so they can rebuild that roster and um yeah but they are the rest of that roster besides you know those two guys, Cooper Cup, maybe Acres. That's a rebuilding roster. Yeah, they're going to be starting a couple different rookies on their defensive line. Byron Young uh, out of the draft. Nick Hampton, you, you Appalachian State uh, defensive end, the edge rusher guy. Those are those are starters on their on their line, or at least heavy rotation guys. Um, I I would be looking uh, also on our defense, like. I'm very, very curious, A, how we stop the run, but B, how do we get after the quarterback? Um, 
we all know that Matthew Stafford is getting a little older, 35 years old now, I believe. Um, and their offensive line is not good. Not good. It's just, it's not good. And so this is a real opportunity for Seattle really kind of just let its horses go and not really have to do a lot of stunts and, and all that kind of stuff. I'd like to see what they do as far as blitz packages and stuff, just because we haven't seen anything in the preseason. So I'm curious as to kind of what they do, but I don't know that they actually need to in this game. Rushing four or five is going to be adequate, I think, to put enough pressure on them to kind of um, hasten Stafford to throw, uh, get it, get him out of his timing uh, without Cooper Cup there. I just don't know that they have enough to kind of keep up. And that's kind of where this game falls for me as far mm-hmm. as um, the points scored because I think Seattle's going to be able to score, not maybe necessarily at will, You've got to factor in Aaron Donald a little bit. I think that the the big thing for Seattle, and we talked about it this offseason, was where, where are they going to improve? Converting third downs is huge for them. Um, being able to do that more consistently. Geno Smith, um, having a couple more weapons will help him there. Having a more vigorous run game with, with some guys up front blocking a little bit more consistently will do that. And then on the defensive side, Keith, generating turnovers. Like this team is is kind of built with guys that are ball hawks, guys that are uh, around the football a lot, punching the ball out. Kobe Bryant had four forced fumbles last year. I see that number kind of going up, maybe not just for Kobe, but as a team um, and generating more opportunities for the offense. So it's going to be a fun game, fun game. But I'm super excited to see what where the pass rush is. Like Jerron Reed, Jermont Jones, it'd be a first time really to kind of Pay attention to to Dre Jones um, on the field. Uchenna Nwasu, Boye Mafe, Daryl Taylor, Derek Hall, uh, Tyreek Smith. All those guys could have an impact at some point. Yeah, I'm concerned about Boye Mafe not playing, um, given that he missed practice yesterday. Um, I mean, it's an illness, so hopefully he'll get healthy and get hydrated and be out there. But um, him being out would be a big loss. He's a guy that's been such a force in the preseason and, and in training camp and, and practice and stuff that a guy looks like he is about to explode as a star. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I want as much boy Mafe out there as possible. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean that, that could be a huge thing for this team. And, uh, but yeah, I, I just, I don't see how the Rams keep up. The only way I, I see it is, is if it just starts off, Seattle makes a couple mistakes the Rams get a, get a get a little lead in the beginning and turn the ball over to their running game and Seattle just can't stop it. And if and if it, Gino throws a pick or something, you know, have we have a turnover or or two, that would or be Or two. Yeah. Yeah, and so it just becomes where, you know, if they can't stop Akers and Akers just is just running people over and getting his yards and then um putting the pressure on Seattle to to respond. If Seattle comes out and gets a, a lead early, if they come go to get the ball, go down and score, like right away, this game could be over before halftime. Yeah, you put a defensive stop or two in there, maybe a generate a turnover. We're up, you know, twenty one points. It's over, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah, because they're just not a team, especially without Cooper Cup, that's equipped to come back. I mean, they're they're kind of built on on running the ball a little bit now. As, as opposed to years past where it was more of a run and gun, run and shoot type thing. Um, Matthew Stafford 
is kind of an interesting player. The guy's still got it, you know, but he doesn't have anything to work with, and his offensive line is poor. Mm -hmm. So I don't see the Rams. I see the Rams as a bottom five in in the NFL team, you know. I I think they'll finish third in the division uh, only because the Cardinals are just that much worse. But both teams really kind of are in a rebuild mode, and we'll see who who responds quickest over the next two or three years. But anybody that's got the Rams uh, in contention at all, as far as a uh, you know out there talking and and as a pundit and and uh, an analyst, I think is dead wrong. This team, is yeah. Not I mean, I'm looking at their at their um, wide receiver group after Cooper Cup. I mean, Van Jefferson's a nice player. Mm-hmm. Demarcus yeah. Robinson so, maybe would be their their number three. Like I just the the talent's not there. Um, Tyler Higby will be a challenge to stop it at tight end. He's always been um, pretty good, but yeah, um, yeah, that's it. There there just isn't um, there just isn't much there. Um, mm-hmm. And at running back, it's Cam Akers and not a lot behind him. Um, so. And all of this, you know, they have such a bad offensive line that I just have a hard time seeing this offense doing anything. So their left tackle is Joe Notebloom, Noteboom, uh, mm-hmm. Steve Avia, uh, the left guard in the draft. We both liked him, but he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's a rookie. He's going to make some mistakes. Brian Allen, uh, undersized offensive center in the in the middle there. Uh, Tremaine Akram, Ankram. Junior as their right guard, Bob Havistein over at right tackle. We're familiar with that. That team, that that offensive line does not elicit any fear at all as far as being able to get to the quarterback. I think we're gonna we're gonna have some serious pass rush uh situation. I mean, if you look at our pass rushers now, granted there's not a lot of proven stuff there, but when you add Reed and Jones and Nuasu and Mafe and Taylor and and Hall now, and and you add a couple of stunts from Bobby Wagner and Devin Bush uh, throughout the game. Kobe Bryant, Devin Witherspoon rushes the passer, uh, at least he did in college, uh, now and again. That is a nice young group. I mean, mm-hmm. really nice, really nice. So uh, it'll be interesting. I do think the X factor is, is Geno Smith. You know, Geno signed his three-year contract uh, to come and be the, the, the guy. He's a team captain now. Um, he had a fantastic year last year, kind of, um, you know, at 72.7% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns and six interceptions and a passer rating of 108. Um, but then dropped off the last five games of the season uh, quite substantially had a completion percentage of 63.3, eight touchdowns, five interceptions, a passer rating of 83.9. Um, there were some factors involved in that, in, in the offensive line dropping off, lack of a, a running game consistently, and Gino kind of forcing things around a little bit and, and uh, you know, opponents that we faced. Um, what do you expect out of Gino this year, Keith? Well, I think um, you were talking about one of it is the opponents that he faced. Um, there was a string of bad teams in there um, at one point to help uh, kind of elevate things. And then at the end of the season, when he, that drop-off happened, there was a string of some really good defenses that were making a lot of quarterbacks look um, human. And so I think you have, you know, p- put everything somewhere in the middle, right? 
um, I think you're going to look at a guy that uh, hopefully he's going to get you, you know, 35 touchdowns is going to give you going to keep this interception total to 10 or 11 going to have a passer rating in there at, um, you know, 105. Um, the key for Gino isn't any of those stats. It's what's he do on third down? Can he consistently move the chains? Um, and the team just needs to get better at that. Now, last year, a lot of that, um, third down problem was, you know, inability to run the ball on first down. So they're getting this stuff up in, you know, third and eight, uh, situations. And, uh, when you can't pass block as well because of, of some, uh, some issues up front and you're, you got, you know, it's third and long all the time. You're not going to convert a lot of those. Uh, they need to do a better job on first and second down, set them up at, at third and short. So the offense is open. They can do anything. Um, really make it hard on the defense. Um, and really they just got to provide some, some, some blocking um, both in the, you know, for the run game to get that going and pass protection. Because once the two offensive tackles who last year were rookies and were great, um, once they started to wear down because the season is just, I mean, it's a 17 game season versus a 12 game season. Um, those last five games are hard on rookies. It happens every year. Uh you know, once those two guys started to wear down, that the the offense really started to struggle. And I think that you know now you got another year. Now they've been in in a a professional uh, off season program. Uh, they've been in a professional conditioning program. Hopefully that won't happen this year, and we'll we won't see that that drop off that lag. But I also don't know if we're going to see that peak Geno that we saw at times last year because some of that was some bad defenses in there now that we might see that in this game because as long as you can you can do something with Aaron Donald and 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 stop him from destroying your your offense um there's not much else on that defense and if like I said if they can figure out a way to to keep Aaron Donald from taking over the rest of that defense is one of those that Gino should put up some massive numbers on yeah I agree I think that, you know, you, you'd mentioned, well, what are you looking for, Gino? And you kind of rattled off a few stats and said it, it really didn't matter. It, that's essentially where he was last year. You know, when you add up the, the front of the season with the back, it, it, that's yeah. kind of where he ended up. And, and I do see him a little bit more consistent this year. And um, if not better, we, there was a show we did, um, you know, a few weeks back where we talked about Gino and the incentives and the contract that he signed and the ability to get to those incentives. And I think it's there because of what we've done uh, addition-wise to this team, both on offense and defense. And and mm-hmm. on offense, you know, with, with Njigba and now Bobo emerging, the addition of um, Charbonnet added to Walker's second season um, really does add to this ability to be more consistent on third down and so forth. And then the defense on, on the other side, generating some turnovers and more opportunities, stopping teams on third down. You mentioned that that's the worst fear on this team is uh, allowing the run game to get going and teams converting on us and, and just marching down the field slowly, but surely um, if we can contain that, give the offense some more opportunities this year, I think Gino really does, does well this year. Um, And the team uh, does well conversely as well. So, you're right about the Rams. Just poor team. I think Gino has a great game. 
you know, we, we talked about the lions right up front next week will be where the season I think really starts. Um, yeah. That's, a, this is a good like tune up game for Seattle because yeah. they, and they, Gino didn't play in the preseason. He played like part of one half of the second preseason game. Um, and so I'm expecting it to be a little rusty um, as they come out in, you know, in the beginning, because playing at full speed, especially in the first game of the year. I mean, that's one of the reasons why um, week one is always uh, hard to predict is because there's just, a, it's just different um, that week one. And then once the playoffs start, right. Those are, those, those are the situations where it's just a little different. Um, there's just a ferocity that is, yeah, that's just there that you don't see um, as this, you know, throughout the middle parts of the season. Uh, and it, guys are tired of hitting their own teammates. They want to come out and actually play and hit and the defenses get super fired up. And, and, you know, so some weird stuff happens in week one. It just, it's true. Um, and usually things settle down and go back to being exactly how we kind of predicted them to be. But week one can be weird. Um and so, you know, anything can happen. I, I just, I'm concerned a little bit about, you know, Gino and some rust, you know, with that, that offense. But honestly, I'm not sure the Rams have it in them to take advantage of that. Because if Gino's off target on a couple of passes, do they have the corners to take advantage of that? I think I that we're going to be okay. I, I mean, you take a look at our defense in practice and so forth and, and um, our defensive backs and, and, um, Gino's been out there practicing the whole time. I think that he comes in. I think it's good. I think, you know, he's a seasoned guy. He's been around. He knows the jitters. He knows the adrenaline factor. Um, I, I do see them coming in and, and um, Shane Waldron designing some plays to kind of just get them going a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. Let's, let's get done with this show and uh, give our <laughs> predictions. Uh, where are you at as far as the numbers? Where are we going to finish in this game, Keith? Well, Vegas is not in the habit of being wrong, right? Um, and they make a lot of money because of their ability to to, um, uh, to predict these games. And they've got the Seahawks as a five-point favorite. Five and a um, half. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm leaning that that's probably low. And I think Seattle wins by more. But the reason why they're going to put it at that is um, numbers bigger than that are kind of rare in the NFL. And weird things happen, right? Um, but I'm looking at this and I'm looking at these teams and I'm like, okay, five points. That I don't know how the Rams keep it that close. And but I think I'm that gonna, was before Cooper Cup was officially out as well. So yeah. that, may, that may have gone creeped up a little bit. But, you know, go Typically, ahead. Um, injuries except for the quarterbacks don't move lines which i've always found to be fascinating because you'd think like i think this one did yeah um but that would be that would be interesting i mean i'm looking at this i think seattle um pretty easily scores like 32 and i think the rams struggled to get more than you know 16 or 17 um five points just does not seem like enough uh, and the fact that it's five and not 15 gives me a little pause, but um, I'm going to stick with that. I think it's going to be like, um, you know, 32, 16. Yeah, it's remarkably accurate, Keith. Um, <laughs> we'll my, find out if it's accurate. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how accurate it is. 
um, I ended up at thirty five seventeen, and for the for the same reasons, not not particularly paying attention to to Vegas, although you are correct there, and there's a reason why there's no fifteen point spreads in the NFL, <laughs> but. Um, if there was ever a game uh, where you were going to beat an opponent, you know, by by double the score, this is probably it. Um, it I I looked at the offense and I looked at the opportunities to score against this defense and where I think that the Rams are going to finish, you know, the season as far as being a defense and so forth. And I just couldn't see the Seahawks scoring any less than thirty. Now last mm-hmm. year the Seahawks scored thirty. 23.8 as an average I think that that goes up to like 27 this year as an average against an average team but this is not an average team an average defense that we're facing this is a team that I think we can score a few more and so that's why I've got them up at 35 and then the defensive side I just I think our defense has improved um, and the the Rams offense is just not the Rams offense that you uh, you all remember it's it's very weakened uh, probably its lowest point um that that we can remember and yeah they'd be lucky to score 17 um and and i think some of that is a gimme at the end type of a thing where they just you know it doesn't matter it's fourth quarter they score some a touchdown or whatever you know to mm-hmm. kind of but i could see them easily going into the you know the end of the fourth quarter with only 10 points or something like that yeah, I mean, I, I could see that too. Um, I said 16 instead of 17 because my brain goes, are they really going to be able to get into the end zone twice? <laughs> um, and so I'm like, oh, that's field goals. The yeah, X bend but don't break uh, defense is going to give up field goals. So um, mm-hmm. I yeah. think that, that that's fair. Um, the Rams offense just, it needs that deep threat, right? Because you've, um, you've got some guys that can can catch the ball underneath with cup and, and Jefferson and, um, uh, and, and Higby. Um, but they were at their best when they had, um, woods out there, uh, who's no longer with them. And then they went and got Odell Beckham and the offense struggled for a little bit while they, they integrated Beckham into, uh, things. But then once he got integrated in a little bit better, um, they went back to being explosive. We're talking two years ago during their Super Bowl year. They don't have that guy. They just yeah. don't. And so it their allows offense, it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Their, their offense is going to struggle because they don't have, um, they don't have that guy that can, can, um, open things up for all of their underneath guys. And, and our, and our corners are so good and our, you know, our deep safety that we can afford to put an extra guy in the box most of this game. Yeah. And when you got a guy like Julian love, who's that guy in the box slash also a safety slash also mm-hmm. a corner, um, and you can move him around and do all sorts of things. Like it just really makes life difficult um, for a team that needs something they don't have. Um, uh, it to me, you know, Pete Carroll's a great coach, but he needs coordinators. I'm not convinced that um, uh, Hurt is the guy at the defensive coordinator spot because of what we saw last year, there were some questionable decisions. Um, of course, there were also a lot of cooks in that kitchen, and um, some of them are gone now. So we'll see what happens this year. Um, yeah, I mean, it comes down to comes down to that. If the defense does what I expected to do, which is get some stops, get a turnover uh, or two, 
this game's going to get away from the Rams real quick. And, so I have and a, Seattle's I, just going to run the score up on them. I, I agree with everything you just said. I had a question for you on Clint Hurt, actually. Um, I heard this, just this morning that he's moving up into the box upstairs uh, on game days to call the defense um, from up up high. Um, what's your opinion on that? I actually like that. I think from up there, you have a better view of what's going on. Um, yes, you're uh, dependent on your your position coaches to to tell you things like, "Hey, this guy's getting um, worn down," or "This guy's get, this guy's banged up," and that kind of stuff. You're not down there, but you have a better view of what's going on. You can see a little bit more of um, exactly what the other team is doing as far as route concepts and things to to get your coverage right um, in real time without having to look at at stills or film. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not going through and, and, and watching a bunch of um, stuff on an iPad during uh, while the offense is on the field in order to fix your, your scheme and what you're calling. Um, you can just see what's going on and see what they're, what they're doing and what they're attacking. I, I like the idea of having um, the defensive coordinator upstairs. I actually kind of like the idea of having the offensive coordinator upstairs, but I know that that, used to be a, like a big thing and is now kind of falling out of favor um, as a lot of offensive coordinators are, are coming down onto the field. But um, just being able to see that view. Uh, I mean, I'm a guy that watches a lot of all 22 tape, right? Which is that high, yep. that high angle where you can see all 22 players on the field. And, and um, there's just nothing better as far as knowing exactly what's happening and what's going on. than when you have that, and when you're up in the booth, you can have that naturally. I mean, that's just that's the view, that's your view of the field. Um, and I like that for the coordinators. I'm with you on the skepticism with Clint Hurt. We're gonna, we're going to get out of here, um, but I'm I'm optimistic about them fixing everything this year. You've talked to uh, you heard Pete Carroll in, in a few different press conferences and interviews address how they came about um, addressing the. Um, the interior of the defensive line and the, the scheme and so forth and stopping the run specifically. And they said, you know, the, the, the primary focus all year has been trying to tweak that and figure that part out. Um, so that doesn't happen again this year, right from the, the get go. And I believe him, you know, it's just a matter of executing and mm-hmm. getting players, um, to, to play within the scheme and trust the scheme and, and um, we'll see what happens there. But I, I believe that that's going to be solved. At least I'd like to believe that. And of course, first, before the first game, I can say anything I want. <laughs> and I believe that, I believe that, mm-hmm. that that's going to happen. So, and if it does, it's, I think it, it really does create a, uh, an opportunity for this team to go far this year and we'll see what happens. Yep. All right. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. Good, good, good first show of the regular season, Keith. Uh, you can find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. I'm also all over the place on different socials. Uh, you can just uh, search my name. Uh, the Seahawks Playbook Podcast is on YouTube as well as your favorite podcast platforms. And when you find it, hit that subscribe button. Make sure we're in your feed every week. We do uh, anywhere from two to three shows a week. We've got three plans. Sometimes stuff comes up, but um we enjoy uh the show very much and hope you guys do too so until next time go hawks go hawks seahawks playbook podcast listeners thanks for joining us for another edition of the show 
You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWCHawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network.